Hi everyone, welcome to Sacred Musings with me, Phil Saker. This is episode three of the Sacred Musings podcast where we look at different uh, topics or different things that have been in the news uh, over the past few days and um, I've decided to do a weekly one of these now rather than do separate kind of sessions on different ideas. I'm going to try and combine them so you don't have to watch lots of different videos or listen to different podcasts or or what have you. So I'm going to just to let you know from now on I think I'm going to be doing a weekly kind of podcast and the session on Revelation um, until we get to the end of Revelation and then I may do another book of the Bible. Um, So all of that said we're going to look at three things today and we're going to look at whether the ends justify the means, we're going to look at the importance of welcome and we're going to look at the existence of evil. So those three things are what we're going to be looking at. And as I I do, if you're on YouTube looking at this, podcast listeners, I'm afraid you'll just sort of have to skip through if you want to. But on YouTube, I'll put the chapter marks there and you can kind of skip through to um, the bits you want if if that kind of thing is your bag, if one thing interests you more than the others. So first things first, do the ends justify the means? I remember when I was in school, we learnt about Machiavelli, uh, we learnt a bit about you know Machiavellian arguments, which is basically, as I understood it, that um, the ends, the, the goal, would justify any means necessary to get there. So if you wanted to achieve something, um, then if the thing was good that you were, um, that you were achieving, then it didn't matter how you got there, so long as you got there in the end. And at the time, uh, and as I still do today, I believe that that's a wrong way of looking at. I think there have been many uh, things in history, many wrong things in history, which have been done in order for the greater good. And I did a video on the greater good, which um, I'll put the link down below, or it should be up there on the screen if you're if you're watching. And it seems to me that over the last 18 months or so, that one argument which has been deployed again and again is um, saving lives. You know, so lockdowns save lives, masks save lives, social distancing saves lives. And it's it's been very hard to argue against because, you know, at the end of the day, who wants to be against saving lives? But the problem is that it's it's a very Machiavellian uh, argument that, yes, you know, saving lives is a good and worthy goal, but is it right to do it using these means? And that's a question which hasn't really been answered. Now, I believe that the lockdown measures don't really work. Now, I believe that the lockdown measures, they may have some marginal benefits, but by and large, they cause enormous damage and I think they don't do what they're intended to do, which is to prevent the virus from kind of overrunning the NHS and hospitals and so on. I just I just think lockdowns and social distancing and so on don't really work. And I did a video about looking at this. Well, I've done some about masks and there was one about superstition as well, which um, you might be interested in if you're looking at kind of more, more in more detail about that. But regardless of the the rights and wrongs, let's assume for the sake of argument that lockdowns are effective. Let's assume for the sake of argument that lockdowns do work to control the virus and that they do actually save lives. Um, Now, is it right, therefore, to implement lockdowns? 
Well, it seems to me that this is, again, a focus entirely on the ends. It doesn't actually say anything about whether the means are ethical. So you said, okay, well, lockdowns save lives, yes, but that doesn't mean that they're right or, or wrong. And I have argued many times before that freedom is something which is not a, a nice to have in society, but is actually uh, essential. And I believe that whatever good the government may have been trying to achieve through lockdowns, it's still wrong to take freedom away. Now, what's interesting to me is this seems to be our default attitude when it comes to public health. So let me give you a couple of examples. Um, I saw someone make a good point on Twitter uh, the other day. See, Twitter can be useful sometimes. Um, I saw someone making a good point about obesity and was saying that if we try to combat obesity like we're combating COVID, then there'd be an, an, an outcry against it. Now, if we try to... Um, identify the obese people, to force them to have a different diet, to force them to exercise, to monitor them, all of that kind of thing, there would be an outcry. And yet, obesity is one of the key factors when it comes to how likely you are to get COVID badly. We know that uh, obesity tends to be, um, you know, um, go with high risk of, of death from COVID and from other illnesses as well. And obesity does put pressure on the NHS. So we could solve a lot of the problems with the NHS if we just forced people not to be obese, if that was possible. Why do we not do that? You could say the same thing about things like smoking, um, for example. I, I saw um, John Ioannidis, uh, the scientist, um, a few months ago. I was watching a video of his and I think this was the... Um, uh, one of the panda um, videos that he did looking at the, the COVID data. Um, but it, it doesn't really matter. But he just made the point that the government could end the tobacco industry and it would cost a lot less than the lockdowns, um, financially speaking. And it would have a big impact as well. You know, we know that tobacco is... Um, a big cause, you know, it's associated with heart disease and with other things, heart disease is a big cause of death. So if we ended the tobacco industry, we could save a lot more lives. So why is it not right to end the tobacco industry? And you could say similar things about other issues. For example, driving and cars. If you banned cars, you would, um, you would get rid of all of the road deaths in one fell swoop. Why do we not do that? And this is this is the thing. It seems that the ends, if if the the, me, the the end is saving lives, then the means do not justify the ends unless it comes to COVID. You know, when it comes to COVID, lockdowns, masks, social distancing, all of that. Yeah, let's let's have it all. But when it comes to any one of the other uh, public health issues that we have to deal with day by day, then we don't. Um, you know, we, we, we don't go down the authoritarian kind of route. Why is that? There's a, a huge inconsistency there. And it seems to me that people are, are simply not thinking rationally. That's the issue here, that there isn't consistency because there isn't rationality. People are not thinking rationally about the costs and benefits of, of it all and, you know, thinking about the, the rights and wrongs of lockdown and so on. It's like it's a kind of mass hypnosis, 
And interestingly, I was listening to a good podcast about this uh, germ warfare um, podcast, um, an interview with um, a Belgian professor who was talking about mass delusion and, and hypnosis um, and so on. And I can recommend having a listen to that. It's about 45 minutes long. Um, I can recommend having a listen to that if you like a bit more information. But he was saying in that that, that people are not thinking rationally because they've kind of had this sort of hypnosis. So they're, they're not thinking rationally. Um, now, uh, there is a bit more that I have to say about that. Um, that will come in the last uh, in the last session. So let's move on. The second thing that we're going to look at today is the importance of welcome. Now, one of the big things in church circles over the last um, few years, or quite a few years actually, is is about welcome that churches have cottoned on to the idea that it's a good idea to have people there to welcome uh, folks into services. And so the bigger churches will often have a welcome team, those who, you know, kind of welcome you with a smile, give you, you know, books or whatever you need for the service and, you know, show you in and show you where the toilets are or where the children's groups are or whatever it may be. So just to help people feel welcome in church. But welcome is more than that. I think actually welcome is an important, but it's a very underrated uh, concept. And it, it's basically about how we receive another person, how we receive another person. And um, in the Bible, you know, because we're all made in God's image, the question is, do we receive someone as a, uh, a human being created in God's image? You know, do we receive every uh, someone as a potential friend, as someone who, um, you know, God loves, as someone who God made um, and so on? Or do we just treat them as an object? So do we have a um, I think there was a, a theologian who talked about the difference between an I thou relationship and an I it uh, relationship. You know, it's important how we welcome people um, and we must treat them as an I thou uh, relationship, you know, treating them as a fellow human being. Now, um, a couple of weeks ago, we went out um, just at the end of the summer holidays. Um, the, the family, me, you know, I took the family out and um, I, um, we saw this and I'll show you the picture here. And um, this is the welcome that we received. And I won't tell you where it is. Um, you may be able to guess it was fairly local to us. But there were lots of signs. There was a big board up. With lots of signs, you know, signs saying, please, a friendly reminder, please keep your social distancing at least one metre, preferably two metres apart from others. There's a big coronavirus poster saying, don't touch your face, keep your distance, um, wash your hands and so on. A big sign up saying, um, please wear your face mask. Um, another COVID-19 poster about what you should do. And a poster saying, please wash your hands as often as possible, stay safe and a hand sanitizer station. That was what greeted us when we went into this particular sort of tourist attraction. And you just think, you know, what kind of welcome does this give? You know, what they're effectively saying is you are nothing but a piece of potentially disease ridden vermin. You're dangerous. You may come in. But you wash your filthy hands, put a mask over that filthy breath you're breathing and stay away from everyone in case you infect them with your virus carrying breath, you disgusting piece of scum. 
okay, I know that that's an exaggeration, but that that's the kind of welcome that is being given from putting all of these posters up, isn't it? It's it's hugely reductionistic. You know, it reduces a human being made in God's image to just a, a victor of infection and a victor of infection of, of one disease even. And it seems to me that you can't welcome a human being like that. You can't uh, treat them like they're just a bearer of disease because then you're not welcoming them as a human being. It, it's like going back to the I-it relationship rather than I-thou relationship. Um, that so, I think that this is something which is deeply insidious about social distancing or um, you know anti-social distancing as as um, I like to call it you know we're told that it's to protect each other but actually it, it's driving a big wedge between us it is destroying the relationship that we have as human beings and I don't think you can overstate the damage that this is doing to to us you know it just can't be measured i think the harm that it's doing but especially to children and to young people who are just being trained day by day to see each other not as human beings but as as objects as people who are just potentially going to infect each other i think that is actually the real virus that this idea of you know that human beings are just vectors of infection that's the real virus actually this idea and I spoke about this a bit in my video about asymptomatic transmission being a dangerous idea. I think we need to recover the way that we used to think, the way that we used to, to act towards each other. You know, that unless someone is actually ill, then we treat them like they're not ill. And then, you know, we can have a normal human relationship. We can smile, you know, shake hands, embrace, you know do all of the, the things that human beings do. Um, and you know, that's what being human is about. It's not about uh, treating each other like filthy bearers of disease, but it's about welcoming each other as human beings in God's image and you know having everything, doing, doing the things that human beings do um, with each other and enjoying each other's company and loving one another. That's what being human is supposed to be about. So the third and final thing that we're going to look at is about the reality of evil. Um, I was thinking about this passage from the Bible um, just last night. This is Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 12. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So Paul, the Apostle Paul, who, who wrote this, um, he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And that really hit home with me and struck me in a way that I don't think it has before. Over the last few months, I think a lot of people have sensed that there is something genuinely evil happening in the world. And I think that would be true even of people who were maybe sceptical about the, um, the actual existence of evil. 
I think a lot of people have, have woken up. You know, when you encounter something which is evil, which which you can't explain by rational means, then um, you you're forced to conclude that it exists. And I think that's what we've been seeing. So Paul, the the apostle Paul, says that the forces of evil. Um, that there are forces of evil, both the powers of this dark world, as he puts it, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So he says that there are dark forces at work, and those are both earthly powers. And I think an example of an earthly power might be, you know, some of the ideas that are going on, authoritarianism, you know, the idea that um, the, the virus can be controlled by stamping down on it with the authority of the government. Um, I think that's an idea which seems to be going around the world at the moment. And um, I think that might be an example of what Paul means by the powers of this dark world. But then he also talks about spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And um he, that's um he's talking there about spiritual forces which are beyond what's human obviously and these things are often hidden you know like evil doesn't come with a name badge saying i'm evil but um they stand behind the kind of the dark things uh, that are happening they stand kind of in the shadows but they are there and sometimes it's more obvious to see them uh, than others and I think this is one of those times now this is why I think that the last 18 months a lot of people have kind of looked at conspiracy um, theories um, you know thought about well could it be um, it's people from the um, the World Economic Forum who are really pulling the strings who are trying to remake the world in their image and so on um, but I think actually the reason why it appears like this is all a kind of conspiracy is actually because if you look behind the human actors, you see the spiritual forces of evil working. And that's what that's what Paul is saying, that behind the, the evil that's happening in the world, there are spiritual forces of evil. Now, Jesus made it clear that evil and Satan actually exist you know that evil is not a simply a word which means the absence of good or an act which is wrong it does mean that but it's it's more than that it's actually that darkness is a real power that there are forces of darkness there are forces of evil and they are a real power and they they affect things that happen in the world and this is something which in a secular society is a message which um, is maybe a, a difficult message to hear but that's exactly what Jesus was saying that's exactly what Paul was saying that you know evil is a power is a force and we can see that over the last 18 months I think that explains so much about what's happening this is why there seems to be some kind of delusion at work this is why there seems to be you know many world leaders and people in positions in the media and government and so on have fallen for it all because there is a spiritual force at work and actually a secular society a society that does not believe in the supernatural is actually more at risk of this in some ways than a um, a religious society because a secular society that doesn't believe in evil 
can be influenced by it because it doesn't look like, it doesn't think something is evil. And it can easily be influenced if you don't think that you're being manipulated by evil. Um, then you're more at risk. You know, you don't look out for the signs. You don't look out for, um, for, for what might be happening. You can't see behind the events. And so this is why Paul says we need to be strong in the Lord and to put on his full armour as he started out that passage that we read with. This is because the darkness that we see is a spiritual darkness. It's a spiritual darkness and we need a spiritual solution that at the end of the day, the only thing that can drive out darkness is the light. And if the darkness here that we're talking about is a spiritual darkness, we need the spiritual light. We need God. We need Jesus to drive out that darkness. Now, what does that actually look like? How can we how can we do that in our lives? And just um, a few days ago, uh, Doug Wilson, who's a pastor from America, he wrote a really good uh, blog piece called Seven Ways to Prepare Your Family for What's Coming. And um, you can read it or you can listen to it there or it's on YouTube and I'll um, I'll put the link up in the top there if you want to have a, a watch of that instead of reading it. But I think that was a really excellent piece about um, what's going on and how we can kind of prepare ourselves, how we can, how we can put on the full armour of God in order to deal with uh, with what's what's happening. So I hope that this has been helpful to you in these these little thoughts that I've had about different things that are happening and events that have happened over the last uh, last few weeks. Um, do let me know what you think in the uh, the comments below, and um, if you you know you you wouldn't mind, please give me a thumbs up as well, as that does help with the YouTube uh, algorithm. A couple of other things to mention as well. Um, if you're interested in in the kind of what the Bible has to say about good and evil, then um, I've been doing a series on the book of Revelation. And uh, Revelation, I think, is really an important book about this kind of cosmic battle going on. But it's, um, uh, yeah, it's it's not an easy book to, to read. And I think a lot of churches, for that reason, have overlooked it, which is sad um, because it's, it's got a lot of good stuff to, in there to say. I've been doing a series on Revelation and the playlist will be, um, you know, you can work your way through the playlist if you like. And I, I'm, I aim to add a, a new video about that each week. Um, I've also been doing a series on Daniel. I've been preaching in our church uh, on the book of Daniel. And I think Daniel is really an important book in understanding how to live as a Christian in a secular um, hostile, a world which is hostile to Christianity. And I've done the first couple of that. Those are on my other channel on Understand the Bible. So if you hop over there, there's the series on Daniel as well. Um, also, just to let you know, I am doing this on podcast format now. And um, the link will be down below in the description. And um, I have Telegram as well. If you're on Telegram, then that's just a way of getting um, not just the content that, I, that I'm um, putting out, but also any if I see other things which are helpful, then I'll put that on there from time to time as well. So all in all, thanks so much, everyone. Oh, and there is a buy me a coffee link as well. If you appreciate what I do and you'd like to support me, then you can buy me a coffee on the on, on that. And the link will be down there as well. Thanks so much, everyone. I really do appreciate your commenting, your support. Um, you know, the fact that people appreciate these videos, it just means a lot to me. And um, yeah, I hope to see you again for another one very soon. But in the meantime, 
God bless.